Well, after hearing God's word, we'll sing from hymn number 81, and we'll sing stanzas 1 to 4 and 6. I encourage you to have your Bibles open before you now to that passage that we read from earlier, Mark chapter 10 and verses 46 to the end of the chapter. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we think of one of the debilitating hardships that people deal with on a daily basis, one of the hardest ones has got to be blindness. Some of you may know people who have vision loss. You've, you've observed how they've learned to live with it. It's amazing the abilities that they can still have. As well, there's a lot that can be done nowadays for those who are impaired in that way. They have naturally developed a, a keen sense of touch where they're able to read, and that's why there's Braille. We see a lot of that today in many public places, around crosswalks, at uh, the banking machines, also on our currency. Also, not only this, they have developed a, a keen sense of, of hearing. They have this ability, almost the sixth sense, where they're able to get around. Moreover, computers have made life very easy for them, or easier for them. Technology has been extremely helpful. There have been some fantastic ministries set up for the blind, such as Audio Bible. That's been around for some time now. We, of course, have technology like cell phones for the last 20 to 25 years. So Audio Bible's still are and, and, and were at one time very helpful for the blind, especially those in poorer countries where they couldn't afford this type of thing. A blind man plays a major part in this story of redemption. Passover was approaching. The people were all making their way to the annual feast. There was a lot of excitement surrounding this area or this event. We know what that meant. If we, took, if we look at the Psalter, the, the so-called songs of ascent that were sung or thought to be sung during this time for this type of a feast, the Lord also was making his way toward Jerusalem for this annual feast. For Jesus, the end of the road was, was there. Jericho is only 15 miles from Jerusalem, but this distinguished rabbi wasn't only coming to celebrate the Passover, he was coming to fulfill it. In a week from this time, he himself would be the Passover lamb who would give his life for sin, for our sin. And so how fitting that as Jesus made his way to Jerusalem, he would fulfill his healing ministry one more time by healing this blind man, Bartimaeus. Let's consider him now with three points. First of all, we see his terrible plight. Secondly, his sheer persistence. And then thirdly, the Lord's amazing pity. First of all, his terrible plight. What was it like for Bartimaeus? Well, for one thing, we're told that he was completely blind. He wasn't partially sighted. He was unable to see anything. 
He couldn't see color, texture, light, or anything. He couldn't see the, the beauty of nature around him, the blue skies, the trees, the flowers, the larks in the sky. Children, imagine what it would be like to be in total darkness. You would be cut off from so much of what you experience. You wouldn't read a book unless it was written in Braille. You couldn't look at a computer screen and play computer games. You couldn't enjoy the things that your sighted friends enjoyed. For example, you couldn't play a sport. You didn't know how to. You would sit at the sidelines listening to your friends running and laughing while you were able to enjoy, well, you rather had to, had to sit there with your hands in your lap. Neither could you enjoy the outdoors and the beauty of nature around you. You couldn't enjoy the, the dark green of a, of a bullfrog or the bright orange of a robin. You couldn't see light streaming through the trees except to feel it on your face. Also, you would have to depend on others to get around. Rather than being able to get on your bike and going for a bike ride, you would need a cane or a, a guide dog. Well, not only this, Bartimaeus was sidelined and impoverished. He was a beggar. There was no Canadian National Institute for the blind for him. He didn't have someone to to help him with his education and to train him so that he could work and be like someone else. He did not have the luxuries that we have to help the blind today. For example, just think of the city councillor, Ross Eady. You know, we don't see him standing on, at the street corner there on Regent with his hat out looking for, for money. No, he has campaigned. He has been given an opportunity, as it were, to even though it's difficult for him to be able to be at a place of work. He relies on a computer. He has special software that reads out the agendas. He has people to help him to get to work. That's not what, that's not what it was like for Bartimaeus. He was totally dependent on other people for his food and for his everyday needs. He had to listen for footsteps and cry out for their help. He was not sitting with the city elders at the gate as one of the wise men that people turned to. He wasn't able to campaign and get elected. He was uneducated, illiterate, unable to provide for himself. He was a beggar, the side of the road. We don't know what that's like here in Canada. We have soup kitchens, shelters, inner city missions. People can find what they need even though they may be homeless. But here was a man who truly relied on the charity of others. But Bartimaeus was no dummy. He was blind, but he had more sight than a lot of people in that, at that time. While others claimed to have 20-20 vision, who claimed to see the light, they turned from that light and were blinded, in fact, by that light. On the other hand, Bartimaeus, he knew something about Jesus. News had traveled. He had heard that he was coming. He could hear the bustle of the crowd. We have to put ourselves into the situation here. 
Try to visualize the scenes of the Bible. The main road went right through Jericho. And whenever a, a famous rabbi or teacher was on a journey, it was the custom of all the crowd of people to come and to listen to him along the way. It was the law that every male Jew over the age of 12 within 15 miles of Jerusalem to attend the Passover. There were people from every village and town who would line the streets amongst all the hustle and bustle of, the, of that busy time of the year. Jericho was a, bit of, was a bit unique in that way because many of the priests in Jerusalem lived there. There were about 20,000 priests as well as Levites who served the temple. Not all of them would be there at the same time. They were divided into groups who would take turns helping out with the priestly duties at the temple. And so not everyone in the crowds was necessarily friendly to Jesus. There were cold stares. Some who hated this man. But at the northern gate, there sat a, a beggar. He heard the tramp of feet. He asked what was going on. He had heard of this Jesus of Nazareth. Had he known that Jesus claimed to be the one on whom the Spirit of the Lord had been promised to rest? The Messiah? The Christ? Did he know that he was the one who would give sight to the blind? One thing we do know is that he knew who Jesus was. Jesus means Jehovah saves. He also knew that Jesus was the son of David. He lived close by to the city of David. The son of David, the son of God, was promised to David. God said to David, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will, be, who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Second Samuel chapter 6 or chapter 7. And he also cried out four words that mean everything. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. That's found in the book of Psalms. In Psalm 4, Psalm 6, 41, 51, 109, 123. This is the cry of someone who desperately needs the help of the Lord. And that's to be our cry today. We may not be blind or deaf. We may, or unable to speak. Instead, we're amazing teachers, excellent administrators, good nurses, good nurses and medical workers. We're great at working with our hands. We're skilled craftsmen and great builders. We're hardworking university students, wonderful musicians, brilliant artists, kind mothers, busy parents, and active grandparents and great, even great-grandparents. We have everything that we need. We might think it's, it's a terrible thing to be blind. And we're glad that we're not. But don't pity blind Bartimaeus. Pity yourself. 
because you're a needy sinner. You're blind apart from grace. You're deaf apart from the work of the Lord. You can't shut your, you can't shut, we can't shut ourselves out this morning from grace. We need mercy and blessing from the Lord because our sin kills us. It blinds us. It impoverishes us. And we're the most needy people of all. We're dead in our trespasses and sins and need the grace of God. And yes, so you can see how sad and desperate Bartimaeus was, but we're no different in that we're wretched sinners who are totally dependent on the Lord and no one else. Have you made that cry? Jesus, the son of David, have mercy upon me. Well, that brings us to the second point, his sheer persistence. Bartimaeus did not have a lot of encouragement from others that day. They saw him crying out. They saw, him, they saw his crying out as nothing but a nuisance. And they told him to be quiet. Why did they stop him from speaking out? We're not exactly told why. It could be because... They didn't want someone blurting out that Jesus was the Messiah. Could be because they knew that the religious leaders didn't like him. Didn't appreciate someone yelling out that Jesus was the son of David. Perhaps the best way to explain it is to remember how John Bunyan in his book, Pilgrim's Progress, describes anyone trying to make it to the, the wicket gate. How... All the enemies will shoot their arrows at those who try to go through the door. And so in, some, so in the same way, Satan does all that he can to stop someone from reaching for help. The only help that, he can, that they can get. But nothing could stop his noise and crying out to come face to face with Jesus. He would not rest until he had the attention of the Lord. He was desperate. Others may not have known how dark his world was, but he did. Others may have not felt their need for help, but he did. In his mind, there wasn't a sentimental wish that he could see Jesus. He was, there was rather a desperate desire for help from the Lord. When he was told to hush up, he cried out all the more. What kind of encouragement did he have? What really gave him the courage to be so bold for help? Well, you can see this, was, this cry for help was a signal of the presence of God's kingdom. The Lord was using this moment in history to make known how wide open the gates of the kingdom were. Now was not the time to shut up poor blind beggars seeking help from the Lord of the kingdom. Now was the time for announcements about his coming. Now was the moment for all men and women, boys and girls, to see the work of the Savior. For as the prophet Joel predicted about the Messiah in Joel chapter 2, verse 32, 
about the kingdom of, of God. He said, And it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the amazing part of this miracle. At the 11th hour of Christ's suffering and death, Bartimaeus brought nothing but his own weakness. The crowd around him didn't understand that his insignificance did not disqualify him from calling on the Lord's name. But in actuality, they were blind, not Bartimaeus. They had brought nothing to the Lord, and the Lord recognized this and filled him up. Isn't that also true of us? We've come again to church to to worship the Lord, to call on His name in prayer, and to sing praises. But why are we here today? Why call on the name of Jesus, the Son of David? We can't be thinking here as we're sitting that we have it all together. The Lord is not pleased with us if we're smug and self-righteous. At the same time, He doesn't approve of us if we're openly living in unrepentant and persistent sin and haven't taken the time to examine our hearts to see if we indeed are truly sorry for our sins and need His grace. The Lord is not pleased with those who have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Instead, we're to acknowledge that there's nothing that we can bring to Jesus but our own basic needs and our inadequacy. We're in need of his mercy and grace. We need his forgiveness. And his kingdom is open to all those who call on the name of the Lord. We have a heavenly father who is well acquainted with the needs of his children. He says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Psalm 81 verse 10. Or as we read in Psalm 37, verses 3 and 4, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land, of, dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. The question that this text confronts us with is, are we desperately in need of the Lord? Or are we half-heartedly drawing near to him today. J.C. Ryle asked this question, what is the reason that men are so half-hearted in seeking Christ? And he answers that by saying, the answer is short and simple. They do not feel sufficiently their own sins. They're not convinced of the plague of their own hearts and the disease of their own souls. There's only one way the kingdom is opened. It's open to those who come with needy hearts, who know their sin and repent of it and find in Christ all that they need for their souls. And that leads us to what we see here thirdly, and that is the, the Lord's amazing pity. And there are three main things that show us his amazing pity. For one thing, Jesus took the time. We're told that he stood still. He stopped in his tracks when he heard this call for help. This is really a moving scene. And it is amazing when we think of the context. 
Jesus had just announced to them that he had to suffer in Jerusalem. He would die there. In three days, he would rise from the dead. There was fear in the disciples' heart about Jesus going to Jerusalem. They did not know or understand. Consider also how Jesus' own heart must have been filled with sorrow. These are going to be seven very busy days. Jesus would purge the temple. He would cry over Jerusalem. He would teach his disciples about the end of the age. He would spend an evening in the upper room, washing their feet, teaching them, preparing them for what was to come. And yet, even though Jesus had a busy schedule and was filled with sorrow, he stopped and willingly took the time to show his concern. Call him, he commanded. Let him come. Jesus could have chosen anyone else in the crowd. There were hundreds of people there that day. But he wanted to help this man who was looking to him so desperately. So Jesus, the creator of the heavens and the earth, stopped to help one man. We also read about the crowd encouraging Bartimaeus to go. He's, he's calling you. He's calling you. Go to him. It wasn't that long ago that Jesus heard the cry of Mary, who was in deep trouble. Mary had lost her dear brother to death, Lazarus. Now a poor blind man needed him. And in the same way, Jesus is calling us today. He's a gracious and tender Savior. He calls us in order to comfort us, to cheer us, to give us the encouragement that can only come from him. In this case, he was calling to heal and to restore. That's the kind of Savior that we have, congregation. A caring, merciful, and gracious Savior who hears the voice of his children. It reminds us of that Sunday school song, Hear Christ calling, come unto me, and I will give you rest. If there ever was a man who was ready to hear Christ call, it was Bartimaeus. Look at his response. Have you ever seen a blind man leap? He threw aside his robe and jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. That's how much he needed him. And we also see furthermore that Jesus asked an important question. What do you want from me? Is it alms that he needed? A warm bed? A happy life? No, he knew exactly what he needed. It was his sight. It's just like when you go to the doctor and you want to be cured of a definite ache or pain. Or when you go to the dentist you don't ask him to help you with any one of your teeth. You, you need going attention to that one tooth that's really bugging you, that's really hurting. And so it was with Bartimaeus. Rabboni, that I may regain my sight. And so it is with us in the Lord. Do we know exactly what we need? Do we know why we need him? How many hardships there are in life? The misery, the sin, the consequences for sin. What a mess we could be in. The Lord says, come, come upon, or call upon me rather in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and 
you shall glorify me. Psalm 107 says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men, for he satisfies the longing heart and fills the hungry soul with goodness. The Lord is tender-hearted to those who need him. And if you know that you need him, then he will supply for all your sins. Not only did Jesus ask a question and get an answer from him, he also brought healing. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And we read that he was restored. All these wonderful miracles took place during Jesus' ministry, pointing to his character and his salvation. They undoubtedly point us to Jesus as the true Messiah, the Son of God, who gives us life. If there's any doubt in our minds about the fact that Jesus is the Messiah, remember Jesus one time saying to John the, Bap John the Baptist, he'd send his disciples to him asking the question. He was in prison. And he asked the question to Jesus, are you the coming one or do we look for someone else? Do we look for another? And Jesus very calmly replied, go tell John the things you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. You ever doubt that Jesus is real? Remember the words of Matthew 11, those words we just read. But especially remember this miracle of healing in the 11th hour of Jesus' suffering as he was making his way to Jerusalem because it shows us he indeed is the Savior who opens the way to all who love him. Jesus said to Bartimaeus that day, Go, your faith has made you well. Or as the older King James says, your faith has made you whole. And the word there for well or the word for whole is salvation. It's the word salvation. For that's what faith in the Lord does. It makes us whole. It saves us of our, all our sins and all our diseases. That's the kind of Savior that we serve. Jesus then demanded a response from this man. We could say that he demands a response of faith and obedience. He had to believe. He had to listen to Christ. And he had to follow his commands. And he became an honest and humble disciple. Christ has come to us today too. The true light who lights not only the eye but the soul. He made the eyes. He put the light in your eyes. He wants to put that light in your soul. The ever-sensitive Jesus is passing by today, and he passes by you in his sovereign grace. And he said, I'll give you sight if you too obey my word. You see, that's the response of faith. Jesus has touched your eyes this morning. How did you respond? Do you see? If you don't, you must. You must.
Amen.